0: Please open your Bibles to the book of Romans, chapter 8. Romans, chapter 8. And I'm going to read and preach verses 5 and 6 of Romans 8 this morning. Westminster Shorter Catechism, number 89, summarizing the teaching of Scripture, states that the Spirit of God maketh the reading, but especially the preaching of the Word, an effectual means of convincing and converting sinners and of building them up in holiness and comfort through faith unto salvation and then it goes on to say in number 90 that we must attend thereunto with diligence preparation and prayer receive it with faith and love lay it up in our hearts and practice it in our lives And so as we come now together to the preaching of the word, let's pray and ask the Lord to help us to receive the word in the way that we just heard described and also pray that he would use the word in our hearts in all the ways that were just described as well. So let's pray together. God, we ask that you would make the reading and the preaching of the word now an effectual means of convincing and converting sinners. For anyone here this morning who still needs to be saved. And make it also an effectual means of building us up in holiness and comfort through faith. Unto the completion of that work of salvation that you have already begun in us, your people. Lord, help us to listen diligently and prayerfully. Help us to receive your word with faith and with love. Enable us to lay it up in our hearts, and then by the power of your Spirit to practice it in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Romans chapter 8, I'll start reading at verse 3 so we can get a running start, and again our focus will be on verses 5 and 6. These are the words of God himself. For God has done what the law "'weakened by the flesh, could not do. "'By sending his own Son "'in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, "'he condemned sin in the flesh, "'in order that the righteous requirement of the law "'might be fulfilled in us, "'who walk not according to the flesh, "'but according to the Spirit. "'For those who live according to the flesh,' Paul is drawing a contrast here between believers and unbelievers, between those who live according to the Spirit and set their minds on the things of the Spirit, and those who live according to the flesh and set their minds on the things of the flesh. We're going to look closely at that contrast under the two headings there in your sermon notes. Number one, flesh versus spirit. What do you set your mind on? And then number two, flesh versus spirit. What is the result? And just note that we'll spend more time on the first point than on the second. What Paul's doing in verse 5 is he's showing the difference between believers and unbelievers when it comes to what we set our minds on. Let's look first at what he says about unbelievers. He says in verse 5, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. I want you to notice two things here. First, he refers to unbelievers as those who live according to the flesh. And if you're here this morning as someone who's not familiar with the Bible, you may not know that when Paul, the author of this particular book of the Bible, talks about the flesh, he's not talking about the flesh of your body like flesh and bone. He's not talking about your skin. He's talking actually about your sin. He's talking about Your sinful heart, your sinful nature that every one of us is born with. That's why we need to be born again like Jesus taught in John 3. That's why we need to have our hearts changed by the grace of God. That's why we need to be saved by Jesus Christ. Bible commentator John Murray said, "...the flesh is human nature as corrupted, directed, and controlled by sin." Human nature as corrupted, directed, and controlled by sin. So the Bible teaches that human nature is not basically good, but rather is basically sinful. Of course, human beings do many good things, but in terms of our relationship with God who made us, we are actually in rebellion against him. We sin against him every day, and we deserve his judgment, therefore. We deserve his wrath. And that sin, that instinct to go our own way instead of God's way that we all have, that's what Paul's referring to when he talks about the flesh in verse 5. So this phrase, those who live according to the flesh, describes really all mankind, In their natural condition, in their sinful nature. They are of the flesh. They live according to the flesh. They are sinners in the sight of God. They sin against God. They live in sin. They live according to the flesh. Secondly, notice what Paul says about those who live according to the flesh and what they do. They set their minds on the things of the flesh. Perhaps we understand what he means by set their minds, but to set your mind on something just means to think about it, means to meditate on it, means to dwell on it, to focus your mind on it. It, It's also about what you put your mind to, so it has the sense of purpose or intentionality. Uh, Like we might hear it said that you can do anything if you put your mind to it or you set your mind on it so to set your mind on something includes this idea of purpose includes this idea of intentionality john murray again said the mind to to mind the things of the flesh is to have the things of the flesh as the absorbing objects of thought interest affection and purpose those who live according to the flesh think about the things of the flesh Those who live according to the flesh are interested in the things of the flesh. Those who live according to the flesh, their affections are absorbed in the things of the flesh. And their purposes are aimed at those things. I like the way the study note in the ESV study Bible puts it. To set the mind on the flesh means to think continually about and constantly desire the things characteristic of fallen sinful human nature. That is to think just the way the unbelieving world thinks, emphasizing what it thinks important, pursuing what it pursues in disregard of God's will. Those who live according to the flesh think continually about the things characteristic of fallen, sinful human nature. They constantly desire those things, they think the way the rest of the unbelieving world thinks. They emphasize what the rest of the unbelieving world thinks is most important. They pursue what the rest of the unbelieving world pursues in disregard of God's will clearly revealed in God's word. This is what unbelievers do according to scripture. From the kindest of them to the meanest of them. From the most morally upstanding of them to the most morally degraded of them. From the most put together, well to do of them to the most battered and broken of them. They are of the flesh. They live according to the flesh and they set their minds on the things of the flesh. Now, what are the things of the flesh Paul refers to? Well, how about Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21? Now, the works of the flesh are evident sexual immorality, Again, that's Galatians five nineteen through 21. Those are some of the things of the flesh. That's a, a representative sample of those things. But the things of the flesh, it's important to recognize, can also be good things that are pursued in a godless way, that are pursued without any thought of God, that are pursued for the glory of man and not for the glory of God. The things of the flesh can include Those things. So those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Two things we should take away from this. First of all, don't be surprised at the rotten fruit of the flesh that you see all around you. Sometimes it flies under the radar a bit. Sometimes, thankfully, there's common grace, goodness that we see or that we experience For example, in a kind neighbor or a thoughtful co worker. But when we see sin, when we see ungodliness, when we see cruelty, when we see immorality, when we see violent behavior, when we hear ugly words spoken, when we see the rotten fruit of the flesh, we shouldn't be surprised. We are seeing those who are of the flesh setting their minds on the things of the flesh. How should we respond to it when we see it? Well, we should respond by thinking clearly and biblically about it, recognizing it for what it is. We should not respond to it with pride or with complacency, not caring about it. We should respond to it rather with pity and compassion in our hearts, knowing that it is only the grace of God and not our own goodness that makes us any different from that. Knowing also that we still struggle with the flesh. And we should respond to it also by praying that God would save people and would glorify his name. So don't be surprised at the rotten fruit of the flesh you see all around you. Secondly, don't set your mind on the things of the flesh. By God's grace, we are no longer of the flesh, we are of the spirit, but we still have the flesh. We are still susceptible to setting our minds on the things of the flesh. We are still vulnerable to and capable of setting our minds on those things. Again, either bad things, think Galatians 5, or good things, but in a godless, selfish way. Don't be conformed to this world be transformed by the renewal of your mind, Romans 12.2. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, Colossians 3.2. Think about whatever is true, whatever is honorable and just and pure and lovely and commendable and excellent and praiseworthy, Philippians 4.8 says, We know that our minds are prone to wander from the things of the spirit back to the things of the flesh. So we should guard our minds, train our minds, use our minds, direct our minds, set our minds, not on the things of the flesh, but on the things of the spirit. Well, what does that look like? Let's focus on the other side of the contrast. We've seen what Paul says about unbelievers Now let's see what he says about believers. He says, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Let me point out two things here. First, about what it means to live according to the Spirit. And second, about what it means to set our minds on the things of the Spirit. To be those who live according to the Spirit means to be those who are in the Spirit who are no longer in the flesh, but who are now in the spirit. It means that the spirit of God has regenerated your heart and caused you to be born again. It means that the spirit of God now indwells your heart and lives in your heart. It means that the spirit of God now empowers you and leads you and bears fruit in you. It means that there's power in the engine now to propel you down the tracks of God's law, like we talked about last week. It means that we have been born of the Spirit, are indwelt by the Spirit, and are empowered by the Spirit. This is the case with all believers, with everyone who has repented of their sins and put their faith in Jesus Christ. It's not true just of certain kinds of believers or a certain class of believers. No, the Spirit of God indwells and empowers all believers, from the seasoned saint who's been a Christian for many decades, to the brand new believer who has just put their faith in Christ. When the Spirit of God makes you alive, the Spirit of God comes to live inside you. And you are no longer of the flesh. You are now of the Spirit. And though you still struggle with the flesh, the flesh is not what defines you. What defines you is that you are now a Christian, What defines you is that you are now God's temple and God's spirit now dwells in you, 1 Corinthians 3.16. Secondly, as those who live according to the spirit, what does it mean then to set your mind on the things of the spirit? Well, the way I wanna get at this is to turn to Colossians chapter three for just a minute. So if you have your Bible in front of you, just go ahead and turn to Colossians chapter 3. You can just listen as well, but I think it'd be helpful for you to have this in front of you if you can. What does it mean to set our minds on the things of the Spirit? I think this will shed some light on what that means, what that looks like. Colossians chapter 3, I'm going to read verses 1 through 4. Starting at verse 1, Colossians chapter 3. in glory. So as Christians, we have died with Christ, we have been raised with Christ, our life is hidden with Christ, and Christ is coming again. And therefore, we should set our minds on things that are above, where Christ is, not on things that are on earth. Now does that mean that we shouldn't think about our taxes? Does that mean that we shouldn't think about who's going to take child A to activity A and who's going to take child B to activity B and don't forget to pick up child A from activity A and child B from activity B? Does that mean we shouldn't think about what's going on in the news, what's going on in our own country, what's going on in the world around us? Well, no, I don't think so. Because look at what Paul means by Things that are on earth. Look down at verse 5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry, etc., etc. Those are the things that are on earth. Those are the things that are of the flesh. Those are the things that we shouldn't set our minds on. And what are the things that are above that we should set our minds on? Well, I think it's fair to say that in context, are the kinds of things Paul mentions down in verse 12 when he switches from earthly things to heavenly things. Verse 12, put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, Meekness and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive, and so on. He talks about love. He goes on to talk about peace. He talks about the word of Christ. He talks about singing. He talks about doing everything in the name of Christ, giving thanks to the Father. He talks about how wives are to live, and how husbands are to live, and how children are to live, and so on. Those are the things of the Spirit. Those are the things we should set our minds on. So it's not that we shouldn't set our minds on our taxes, it's not that we should not do our taxes, it's that we should set our minds on doing our taxes for the glory of God and with full integrity. It's not that we shouldn't set our minds on who's going to do the drop-off and who's going to do the pickup. It's that we should set our minds on that with thanksgiving for our children and seeking to enjoy God's presence as we go to and fro and remembering that the point of it all is to live for His glory and to show His glory, share His glory with others. It's not that we shouldn't set our minds on the news and what's going on in our country, in our world it's that we should set our minds on those things remembering the sovereignty of God and the fact that God has foreordained whatsoever comes to pass for His glory and for His people's good. So setting your minds on things above is not about sticking your head in the sand, nor is it about your head being stuck up in the clouds. No, it's about being heavenly-minded about the things of earth. Of course, not those sinful things that Paul listed in verse 5, but the things that are just part of life on this earth by God's design. Setting your mind on things above is about being God-centered in all your thoughts. It's about, for example, loving the Lord your God with all your mind as you do your schoolwork. It's about having the mind of Christ, the humble servant, in all your relationships. It's about seeking and pursuing the fruit of the Spirit, even in the midst of trials. It's about turning your mind away from sexual impurity and setting your mind on the purity of Christ. It's about emptying your mind of anxious thoughts and filling your mind with the promises of God. It's about 1 Peter one 13 through 13-16. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy. In all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. To set your mind on the things of the Spirit is either to set your mind on God and His Word directly, like in Bible reading or prayer or meditation or worship, and it's about setting your mind on some other lawful thing but always with God in view, never forgetting God, never ignoring God. And I think that even with all this in mind, we should recognize that it's not always going to be crystal clear what it means to set our minds on the things of the Spirit in a given situation. But certainly we can pray for wisdom to know what that should look like in that moment. God gives wisdom to those who ask. And in fact, if we're asking for wisdom to know what it should look like to set our mind on the things of the Spirit in a given situation, well, we're already well on our way to setting our mind on the things of the Spirit in that situation. I would encourage you, if you want to read more on this, there's an excellent book. I would highly recommend by John Owen, called Spiritual Mindedness. Spiritual Mindedness by John Owen. It's been a book of the month in the past, so you should be able to find it on the bookshelf out there at the resources board. It's actually an extended exposition and application of verse 6 of Romans 8. Again, it's called Spiritual Mindedness by John Owen, one of the Puritans. The original title, which is an excellent title, was The Grace and Duty. Of being spiritually minded, the grace and duty of being spiritually minded. An excellent book I would recommend to you. Well, speaking of verse 6, let's see what it says in the time we have left. This is under our second main point now. More briefly, flesh versus spirit. What is the result? That is, what is the result of setting the mind on the flesh, and what is the result of setting the mind on the spirit? The result of setting the mind on the flesh is there in the first half of verse 6. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. If you set your mind on the flesh, the result is death. The end of those things is death, Romans 6.21. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die, Romans 8.13. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, Galatians 6, 7 and 8. So if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, you've never confessed your sin to God and believed in the Lord Jesus Christ for your salvation personally, I think the message to you here is, pretty clear the message of God to you is pretty clear the result of setting your mind on the things of the flesh is death and not just physical death but more importantly spiritual death that is separation from God and facing the judgment of God on the day of judgment and facing the just wrath of God for all eternity the Bible speaks plainly And says that that is the path that you are on. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, it says. That's where the path that you're on leads. That's what you deserve because of your sins against God. That's why you need salvation. That's why you need a Savior. And the only Savior there is, is the Son of God, Jesus Christ. His perfect life. And his sacrificial death on the cross and his victorious resurrection are sufficient to save all who come to him in faith. And he calls you and he invites you, even now, to come to him in faith for your salvation. For us who are believers... I think the first part of verse six should remind us of the fact that there are temporal consequences to sin. Temporal consequences. Even though the eternal consequences of our sin have already fallen on Christ on the cross, when we set our minds on the flesh and when we sin, it does bring a kind of death, doesn't it? It breaks our fellowship with God even though it doesn't break our relationship with God. It hinders our communion with God, even though it doesn't sever our union with God. It doesn't lead to life. It leads to a kind of death. Setting our minds on the flesh leads not to flourishing, but to destruction. It does not move us forward in our Christian growth. It sets us back, in a sense. Though by God's grace, when we repent and are forgiven, we do grow forward. But this verse should remind us, this verse should warn us not to set our minds on the things of the flesh. As we already read in Colossians 3, we are are to put to death what is earthly in us. Later in Romans 8, Paul talks about the fact that by the Spirit we are to put to death the deeds of the body. And in Galatians 5, he, he says we are to walk by the Spirit and not gratify the desires of the flesh. Though the eternal consequences of our sin have already fallen on Christ, there are temporal consequences when we sin. And that should be one reason, just one reason, we refrain from setting our minds on sin the flesh well what is the result of setting our minds on the spirit then on the things of the spirit we'll focus on this as we draw to a close this morning Paul says in the second half of verse 6 but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace the passage in Galatians 6 that I read said that the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. Goes on to say, but the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. Romans 8.13 again says, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But then it says, but if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. When we set our minds on the things of the flesh, the result is death. When we set our minds on the things of the Spirit, the result is life and peace. Life and peace don't come from the flesh. They come from the Spirit. Life and peace don't come from disobeying God. They come from obeying God. Life and peace don't come from doing your own will. They come from doing the will of your heavenly Father. Life is not found in doing what commercials tell you to do. Life is found in doing what God tells you to do. Peace is not found in filling your life with the things of this world. Peace is found in filling your life with the things of God. The Spirit gave us new life when we were dead in our sins. The Spirit applied to us the redemption accomplished by the Son, which gave us peace with God, peace with the Father. Romans 5, 1, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And now as we set our minds on the things of the Spirit, the result is life and peace. That is a greater experience of resurrection life, an abundant life, In Jesus Christ, John 17, 3, And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And as we set our minds on the things of the Spirit, we also have a deeper experience of the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything... By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So Paul draws this contrast between believers and unbelievers. Between those who live according to the Spirit, set their minds on the things of the Spirit... Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. By the grace of God, we are those who now live according to the Spirit. And by the grace of God, we should set our minds on the things of the Spirit. When we do that in our daily lives, the result is life and peace. So what would it look like for you to set your mind on the things of the Spirit this week. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for saving us, for giving us new life in Christ. It is by your grace alone that we are no longer living according to the flesh but are now living according to the Spirit. You have caused us to be born again. You have made us alive together with Christ. You have given us power in the engine, the power of your indwelling Spirit. And now you call us to set our minds on the things of the Spirit. Would you help us to do that more and more in our daily lives? And would you give us that life and peace that can only come from you? Resurrection life and a peace that surpasses all understanding. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's take a minute to meditate on the preached word, and then we'll sing together.